Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin from The Art of Intimate Marriage. And in our previous broadcast, we started out the first part on how to talk to your kids about sex. So this is a part two on how to talk to your kids about sex. This will focus a bit more on when your kids are getting older. So if you haven't heard the previous broadcast and your kids are younger, that would be how to talk to your kids about sex part one. You can actually go to my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and see the podcasts there and and listen to that. Today, um, let's go from there. So if you have not had a how babies are made talk with your child and now they're older and they've probably already heard it all. Maybe they're in middle school and you're thinking, oh, they never think those thoughts. They never have come to me with those questions. My child's too innocent. I can promise you with I can promise you without fail, your child has heard a lot of things. Maybe they don't come to you with their questions, but they are wondering because they've heard things and they don't know what they mean. And so sometimes what happens is kids will, they'll go to their friends, but nowadays they'll go on the internet and they'll just look it up. And they're wondering with these terms that they've heard from other kids in their school or friends or older siblings, they don't know what or, or even in a song or a joke or they don't know what it means. And so because you haven't opened up the conversation, they're going to go someday and look. And what better place to get that answer from you? So if perhaps you haven't yet had that conversation, you're thinking, well, now they're just too old to have it. The reality is if they're older, like middle school, and you sit down with them and say, hey, let's talk, they're probably going to kind of scoff at it. That's that's an, that's a common response like, yeah, you know, I already know this, mom, dad. The reality is, though, when parents don't open up the door and talk about it, then it gives the message of it's just taboo to talk about it. It's, it's, it ends up conveying a message of sex is shameful, sex should be kept um, hidden, sex is something we don't talk about except for like young boys will get the message that the only place for sex is in jokes. There's lots of shows out there. There's lots of jokes out there. There's lots of movies out there where sex is this ongoing funny lines and sexual connotations. And so there's this, those are the only ways to talk about sex is if you make a joke or you don't talk about it at all. As parents, we have the opportunity to say, it's actually good and right to talk about it. And so one thing, if your kids are getting older, um, it it probably isn't gonna work to say, do you have any questions? If they're older, go ahead and open the conversation differently would be my recommendation as far as saying, say, you know, I know we haven't talked. I know at your age, I had a lot of questions and I had a lot of confusion. In fact, by your age, I was already trying different things or I had already experimented with different things. And 
this is where it's appropriate to start sharing your own life. Um, having other people in your life to go to for exactly how much to share, to get advice from can be helpful. You can actually read all about this in um, two different books. The Art of Intimate Marriage has some on it, and then you can now go on to Amazon and find the book Redeemed Sexuality, which is a book for singles, teens, campus students, and parents. And in it, there's a whole section on how to talk to your kids about sex. So find out, okay, how much should you as a parent age appropriately share in order to draw out your kid? Some of the things for those who are coming from a Christian standpoint, which many of you listening are, is how do we teach our children what the Bible says about sex? There's, um, you can listen to a previous broadcast on what does the Bible say about sex, but let me um, encourage you with some pieces on where to start how to talk about that with your kids when as they're getting older and as you can read different scriptures with them. So obviously one of the time-honored scriptures is in Hebrews 13 verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Then in Corinthians, it's actually talking about the spiritual body of Christ and how there are parts of the body that are unpresentable. And so he's talking about the physical body in 1 Corinthians 12. And he says, the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. It's actually the same word, the word honor, that's used in Hebrews 13.4. And let's talk about that word. That word there is time in the Greek. It looks like time, T-I-M-E, but it's in the Greek time, and it means of worth and value, that God treats sexuality as something of worth and value. It's so honorable. He talks about how there are certain parts of our body that we're supposed to treat with special honor. These dishonorable parts, so uh, these are the unpresentable parts of the body. And all of us would mostly agree that when we say unpresentable parts of our physical body, this would be the vulva, the, the, the vagina, the bottom, the penis, the breasts. These are the parts that God says, they aren't shameful parts of your body. These are the incredibly special parts of your body. The word there in 1 Corinthians 12 that says special honor, it means that word worth and value, but the word special right in front of it means exceedingly beyond measure. So that's how we're supposed to treat the sexual parts of our body. And that is also how the marriage bed and how marriage itself is supposed to be treated in Hebrews 13, 4. We see the opposite of this in Romans 1, where it says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations with, for unnatural ones. And he goes in this whole passage in Romans 1, he's talking about the, use, the misuse of sexuality. But right here, he uses the word shameful lusts and the word shameful there and the word, yes, the word shameful there means dishonorable. It's the same word as used in Hebrews 13. Marriage should be Honored, And it's the same word as used in 1 Corinthians 12, treat the unpresentable parts with special honor. So when we have dishonorable lusts, it 
changes our sexual choices. We end up engaging in things sexually that are not within God's plan. Well, what does all this mean? God views sexuality as something of great honor. We can treat it dishonorably. So this is kind of a big, heavy spiritual concept, but it's super important that when you're talking with your kids about sex, when they have questions about sex, make sure you're treating their questions. Make sure you're talking about the parts of their body. Make sure you're talking about the sexual relationship in your own marriage or even other ways that people engage in sexuality, that you're treating it respectfully with special honor, that you're talking about it the way that God does. God considers sex something highly honorable, and therefore it is to occur within the marriage relationship. What else? What else do the scriptures say? Because you're going to want to also share these things with your kids. And this is important. Sex is a great thing. And often parents don't want to tell their kids that it's great. They don't want to make it sound positive. If I make it sound positive, they might do it. If I avoid talking about it, then they won't do it. And that doesn't usually work. It is important that kids hear from their parents that sex is a very good and godly thing. It is hard for parents to say that if they're not feeling good about their own sexual relationship. Um, However, the scriptures definitely talk about it positively. So let's look at those. This has been mentioned in some previous broadcasts as well. But in Proverbs 5, 18 through 19, it actually says about the male, uh, may may you be intoxicated with her love and satisfied with her breasts. So this word intoxicated, what it actually means in the Hebrew is reeling around drunk, like tottering, that it just, that sex is so wow, it causes him to be intoxicated. And like the rest of Proverbs, they might be said to one person, but they are meant for each of us to look at. So this isn't just from the, uh, the male viewpoint. This is both men and women. Sex should be intoxicating. It should feel so great. And so it's okay to tell you, in fact, your kids need to hear that when sex is going well, it's really great. It's intoxicating. It's kind of makes you feel a little like you're reeling around drunk. It's so great when it goes great in God's plan. It's important that children hear that sexuality is a positive thing. If they only hear, don't have it, don't have it until you're married, you know, all sexual things are bad, then they're going to believe that all things are negative and then it will cause problems often in their older, in, as they mature and as they go into their own marital relationship. So sex says it's intoxicating, right? First uh, Corinthians 7 is such a fun passage. It's where Paul is actually saying, hey, you know, don't get married, but If you're burning for the woman you're engaged to, then go ahead and get married. Well, in other words, he says that burning, where should it occur? It should occur in the marriage relationship. So burning's going to happen. All right, then let's get them married so the burning happens there. In other words, when you're married, it should cause this. And what the word there in the Greek is peru, P-U-R-O-O in our translation, and it means set on fire, that sex should set you on fire. So scripturally, 
it's a really positive thing. It's intoxicating. It's fiery and awesome. What else is it? Well, in Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 18, and then Song of Solomon 4, verse 15, it's all these water analogies that it's like a cistern. It's a fountain. It's a spring. It's a well. And we've talked about this before, but let me emphasize, go ahead and talk about this with your kids, that sex can be this refreshing place and it should be refreshing. Um, Tell your children, sex is intoxicating, it's burning, it causes reeling, and it's refreshing. It's a good and godly thing. It's honorable. There is positive things about sexuality. You should be the one telling your child that. I do want to take a brief uh, time to just explain how this program works before we go into some specifics on how to talk with older children about sex. And that is that this program, you can listen to all the podcasts on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. Go back there and listen to previous podcast versions. You can also go buy our book, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You will find that on Amazon. You'll find the link on the website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. Also, this is a listener-supported ministry. (laughs) Everywhere I speak, People are like, oh, my goodness, we need to hear this. Why haven't we been hearing this sooner? If this is helping you, go ahead. Go on our website. There's a link for uh, a donation. Go ahead. Make a donation so that we can continue doing this ministry. Also, on the website are some links for some other products that can be helpful specifically for those of you who are married. There's a place to buy some communication cards. It might be hard for you to talk about sex with your spouse. You can buy the intimate marriage cards. They are The link for them is available on our website, um, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and on Amazon. So go ahead and check those things out. If you have any specific questions for me, send them to me at jenniferconson at yahoo.com. So that's my name, jenniferconson at yahoo.com. And I would love to include those in future broadcasts. So let's get back to you're talking with your older child. And let me tell you, as they're coming into puberty and their hormones are changing, they're going to start having different sensations. In fact, usually by the time they've hit puberty, they've already been exploring their genitals. They've already been touching themselves, which we talked about in the previous broadcast on part one, on how to respond to that. And so usually when children are younger, they're touching their genitals because it's soothing. It might, it might calm them. But as they get older, it starts creating arousal. Um, the hormones change as the body matures, and then they start noticing the penis will become erect and that sensation is very arousing or the female that your young daughter will start noticing that if she touches herself in a certain way it's very arousing it causes some very pleasant sensations it's important that parents talk about arousal with their kids openly and honestly and how would you do that well let me explain it (laughs) first of all i when i'm working with groups of say, college students or groups of singles, I approach it this way. Have you ever had a thought, watched a movie, read a book, just felt something, and all of a sudden, your vagina started throbbing? And of course, to the young men, I say, and your penis started becoming erect. Okay. And of course, when I do that to an audience, and they're thinking I'm going to teach a class on purity, especially if it's a singles group, they all like, ah! 
ah, you can't say that. You can't talk about that here. But the reality is they know exactly what I'm talking about. They, and most of them have had those sensations. They've had the, the tingling in their vagina, the throbbing. Definitely, if they're young men, they've almost without fail, all of them is, have experienced questions about how their erection works. Tell them what it is. So this is what it is. We all have blood supply that comes to the lips that they're called the major and minor lips labia is the technical term for the the vulva so the vulva has two sets of flaps of skin uh, one is a smaller set and, and then the outer set is a, a larger set and they're called the minor and major labia and underneath those tissues and all around the clitoris and in the whole entire pelvic floor it's heavily supplied with blood flow. Well, we understand this a little bit better with the penile erection because the blood flow comes into the penis and then the penis becomes erect. Well, that's actually what happens as well to the female tissues. They become erect, literally. You just can't see it as much because it doesn't stand out as much. So young women have often experienced this, but they've never talked about it with anybody or they're super embarrassed and they don't know what to do about that and they feel guilty about it. And so it's important when you're talking with your young daughters, your young sons, talk about arousal. So that throbbing and tingling is initially, like I said, if they're just thinking a thought or they've just happened to read something in a book or a, a, a scene flashes before them in a movie, they're not purposely pursuing the thought, but it happens. And then they'll often feel a lot of guilt, especially if they are at all focused on God and the Bible and they go to church, they'll feel a lot of confusion and guilt about that sensation and they won't know what to do with it. Should they pursue touching themselves and so on? And what I explain to young men and women is that's just a physiological bodily reaction. It is the blood flow coming to that part of your body. Actually, that initial arousal response is literally similar to what you would call like a knee-jerk reaction. It's controlled by the lower spine. So the brain hasn't even gotten involved yet. When that first thought crosses someone's mind and there's a throbbing and a tingling in the pelvic area, it's the similar to when a doctor might come and take a mallet to the knee and tap the knee and then the knee just jerks up. Well, that's a lower spine controlled. The doctor's actually checking to see how how everything's working in the lower in the lower part of the body in the lower spine when they tap the knee like that well that's what controls the initial physiological response in the penis and the vulva explain that to people and then that's when our beliefs explain that to your children that's when our beliefs come into play okay now that i'm having this throbbing and tingling in this erection and so on now what do i do with that and that's where how does God want us to handle our sexuality from there? But making it okay to talk about arousal is an, a very important piece of teaching our children about sexuality. And also at these ages, you want to make sure you're using the correct terminologies about what they might be doing. Parents are uncomfortable using the word masturbation and they're uncomfortable using you know, these terms, because parents don't want their kid to do it. They think if I just don't say it, maybe they won't do it. Talk about it. Self-touch, masturbation. What is it? Orgasm. What is it? 
talk, explain it to your children. They might have already been having them, especially if they're already self-stimulating. So talk to them about arousal, talk to them about what's happening to their body, and then talk about what God wants them to do with their sexuality. And this is where you can go back to those scriptures that I started with on honorable, that God's God does have a place for those sensations. They're good. They're godly. And so what I tell young women who are feeling really guilty, you know, that their, their vagina started throbbing is, and they're trying to stay pure. So this is for the young teens and the young, uh, young men, the young women who are single, who are on campus, and they're trying, these young um, teenagers, men, boys and girls who are trying to, to remain pure, they don't know what to do with that sensation. And I say, gosh, when that happens, go, wow, look how God made my body. It works. I tell young women, say, wow, that's my vagina. Isn't my vagina amazing? So instead of shaming the response, going, oh, this is the blood flow going to my genitals. Isn't that fascinating? And then put into practice, okay, now what do I do with that? What would be the honorable, how does God want me to respond to having these sensations? It helps take away the shame. So let's go on from there. After you've talked about arousal and after you've accepted it, and after you've applied your values, how do we talk about it, not just in the family, but also how can you encourage your teenage kids and even those that you have that are in campus and that are single to talk about it openly within their fellowships, within their ministries that they're in? In church, we tend to address sexuality only in regards to sin, when sin is involved. We talk about it like, don't do this, don't do that, don't wait till marriage. And even in marriage, we tend to talk about it not in terms of how to make it great. We tend to talk about it in terms of how not to commit adultery, how not to end up in pornography, and so on. And so even as a church body, we can decide that the only time we talk about sex is about what not to do. Also within our spiritual families, we aren't having lessons on how to talk to your kids about sex. Churches, if they were to provide that in a really healthy fashion, just go ahead, listen to this broadcast, listen to it as a small group, and then talk about it as parents. How can we openly talk to our kids? We tend towards shaming sexual sin instead of talking openly about it in the church. And it definitely occurs when kids have gotten involved in either mutual touching when they're younger or they've gone farther as they get older. Parents can have, it is important to have clear boundaries and teach your kids about sex, but you really want to watch the shaming responses, the negative words. Sometimes parents want so badly for their kid to stop doing sexual things that they say pretty uh, strong comments. You're just going to, you know, you're going to get pregnant. You know, um, do you want to end up a prostitute? You're going to get her pregnant. You know, what are you? You know, parents will use very shaming language. And there is a way to, to talk honestly and openly about the consequences to sexual sin and not be shaming. So talk openly. Share your own challenges. That's one of the a great place to go. So we do tend towards using shaming language when we talk about sex and or, or guilt-ridden language. And then we avoid the terms, masturbation, pornography. We don't want to talk about same-sex attraction. We don't want to talk about oral sex. I just did a, a, 
a talk up in uh, Los Angeles this last week, and one of the questions from the audience, and the most of the audience were singles and campus and teens, and one of the questions was, what does the Bible say about anal sex? <laughs> I was like, darn, come on. If, if you think, why would that group ask that question? Because that group is talking about that question. Your kids have already heard about those terms, oral sex, anal sex, same-sex attraction, masturbation, pornography. They already know them. The place they should be talking about them is with you as the parent. So we really encourage you, open up the conversations and then watch that you're asking questions, drawing them out, and in not having shameful responses to their questions. So in the midst of this, as you are talking about, let's say, some of these topics like pornography, you might discover that they're using pornography. You might discover some search terms on the Internet that they've been looking for things. Remember something here. When you discover that your child is engaged with other people sexually or they're doing something online, remember 2 Corinthians 5 as parents, we are called to be a messenger of reconciliation. Your job is now to reconcile your child to God. Well, sometimes the first step is that you as a parent might need some reconciliation. Perhaps your own sexual choices need your own consideration for change. But secondly, when your child is does become involved in things sexually, remember, you are a messenger of reconciliation. Be open with your own challenges. And one of the biggest things to talk about, I love James 1.13 that says that by their own evil desires, they were enticed and dragged away and sinned. Talk about, we tend to talk about the sin that leads to death in James 1 14, but we forget that what it says is that they were enticed and dragged away. Talk about the pulls. What pulls, what pulls you towards that? And relate to that. I know that I have been pulled by things. And share your pulls, your temptations. We each have them. Everybody has them. Share them openly. Talk to your child. What draws you? What pulls you? As you're talking with your child, avoid any shaming language about their body, about their compulsions. And if you need to then put protections on their devices, absolutely. Put good boundaries around things. If you need to put protection around what relationships they are involved in, sure, absolutely. Just make sure that you have the tone that God has when he talks about sexuality. God's super clear about it, and he says it's wrong, and then he says, go, leave your life of sin. That's how he treats the woman caught in adultery. He doesn't treat her shamefully, but then he does direct her in how she should live. As you're talking with your children, imitate Jesus. It works. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Kanzen to address here on air, email her at jenniferkanzen at yahoo.com. Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkanzen at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you, and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. 
To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.